0: hello everyone and welcome to the false nines this is the 75th episode of a bi-weekly footballing discussion i am your host zach pensack alongside my friend adam goffin adam we're back after a month's hiatus how are you
1: footy zach three quarters of a century footy three quarters of a century Episode number 75, Zach.
0: Oh, okay. I was looking at the Premier League table, and I was like, where where are we getting to that number? Um,
1: Newcastle have conceded 75 goals.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Newcastle is three-fourths of the way to the Centurion Leaky Defensive Award (laughs) mark. Oh, man. Um, Do we have the worst defense in the Premier League? No, we don't. We are ahead of... Norwich, that is a... Mm -hmm real man i'm so proud of our lads that's incredible uh yeah well and we scored we four bad. more goals
1: on them as well that's true yeah so that is true. so much better than norwich that's our claim to fame
0: today it is wild how norwich you know like two twice in three years now they come up to the premier league and are by far the worst team it, it's like almost amazing that they're not any better than they were two seasons when they were by far the worst team in the Premier league, you know, and like I know they lost
1: players too, like Buendia as well as like, they yeah. had him last time they were up and they're, I think they're a weaker team overall right now.
0: So yeah, it's, it's, yeah. You, you wonder like how did you get out of the championship and how did you not, I guess Norwich has never had like terribly loose purse strength that it's not as if they were going to pull a Fulham and spend like 70 mil after getting promoted, but it is almost, astounding that they're just as bad if not worse than they were two two seasons ago
1: yeah it's true i mean they're they're a self-sustainable club though and you look at kind of all of the like derby going into administration this week and all the money that they've tried to spend to get up into the premier league norwich is a club that you know buys fairly unknown players and has has a lot of an in, in, as it doesn't have a lot of investment, I should say. And then they're able to self-sustain They yo-yo a little bit between the Premier League and the championship, but they always find a way to make it back up. So kudos to them. I'd rather be a team like that than a team punching above their weight. And, you know, like, like a Derby County and, and still not quite managing to make it there from a financial standpoint. And, and now look at them, 10 point deduction in the championship and probably going to lose Wayne Rooney. Sad times.
0: Sad times. Indeed. Yeah, that's a, that's a fair point. I agree with you. I mean, that's like you're right. It, it, at the end of the day, Norwich probably has decent enough bookkeepers that they can maintain some some level of uh, you know um, stability, even if it's not stability in the sense of staying in the Premier League. It's really staying in the in the Premier League or the Championship. That's like almost kind of stability for them at this point in time, and you know they're doing that.
1: Yep, yeah, exactly. And we're going to make the early call now that Norwich's first win this season will come against Newcastle.
0: When is that match? I was about to ask you.
1: I actually don't know. I'm going to look it up right now though, but um hmm. can can Nar- can Norwich survive that long with no wins? Let's see. I will look this up here. Say something profound while I look this up. Zach. Give me some time here.
0: I mean there's a, a there's decent money on that happening. Newcastle gave Sheffield United their first win of the season last year, so um there's a decent enough shot that we repeat that you know that kind of uh, whatever you might call it a uh, a bit of a, a demarcation of sorts
1: yeah so Nor- norwich uh, played newcastle at st james's park on december the 1st um the games they have between now and then are everton burnley brighton chelsea Leeds, Brentford, Southampton, and Wolves. There are so many winnable games in there for Norwich. The games yeah. that could potentially break that duck, but just watch them not do it and win against us at St James's Park on December first. Yeah, com-
0: commandingly as well. Uh just, yep. just as Sheffield United did. That was an easy win for Sheffield United in January. Uh, so yeah, we will we will see if yeah we'll see if Newcastle can win a match before that. I don't know. But, uh, yikes. It's a tough one. It's a tough one. Uh, All right. So let's get into it, Adam. We're five matches into the season. We are 75 episodes into the podcast uh, because we've been away for a decent amount of time now with travel and uh, health precautions, if you will. Um, Let's keep it pretty high level today. Uh, We'll split up the pod into two sections. First section, just kind of Get our finger on the pulse, if you will, at where the Premier League is at now. Uh, a couple of the main storylines going throughout uh, the English top division. I'll take a break after that, and uh, then look forward to match day six coming up this weekend. There are a handful of nice matches that are going to be on TV, so um, talk about those a little bit, talk about the, the matches that we're most excited for, and then, of course, end it with Armchair Pundits in 10 and 90. We'll keep it keep it pretty bare today.
1: We will try our best to go under an hour and probably
0: fail, right, Zach? Yeah, we'll get it right, right over an hour. It'll be like one 2 <laughs> somehow. Uh, <laughs> we, we've just spent 15 minutes talking about like Norwich and yo-yo clubs and the championship, so that's a good start. It's fantastic. Darby County are worth a shout though, so come on, Darby. Come on, you, Darby. Uh, come on, you, Darvish. Um, all right, Adam, let's start off with the EPL trivia. Um yeah, let's let's see what you're getting into today.
1: All right, sounds good. So for first-time listeners to the pod, EPL Trivia, I'm going to give you a clue right now, um, or a question right now. I'll give you a clue halfway through the pod and a second clue towards the end and see if you as listeners can get this answer. If you've been paying attention this past weekend in the press or on Twitter, you may know the answer to this already, but I'll ask you this, Zach. Thiago Silva scored for Chelsea against Spurs this past weekend. He's aged 36 years and 362 days, happy birth, 52 days, excuse me, Um, making um, 362, excuse me. Today is his birthday anyway. He's turning 37 today. So in honor of Thiago Silva, I wanted to mention that he scored a goal on Sunday and he is now the second oldest goal scorer in Chelsea's Premier League history. Who is the oldest goal scorer in Chelsea's Premier League history? any immediate ideas there
0: yeah just a couple of notable players who have played long into their career at chelsea um maybe another center back is it john terry i'm not gonna tell you right now
1: you gotta hold that you gotta hold That's your right.
0: thought my friend fair enough yeah. well you kind of you kind of asked me so you you, you let <laughs> me on there a little bit um
1: I'll give I'll give you a clue straight off the bat. It's not John Terry, so not John Terry. Okay, a little bit more thinking yeah, yeah,
0: on yeah. that. All right, fair enough. Cool. Um, yeah, looking forward to trying to trying to figure out what that is. I didn't see anything on Twitter or social media about that, so that's a good that's a good question. Um, all right. All right. All right. Uh, EPL talking points, Adam. Uh, I'll I'll let you start here. Um, give me give me something about the Premier League so far this season that has been of interest to you. What do you want to hash out today?
1: Well, since our last pod, um, the last pod came just before the end of the transfer window. And of course, one of the major stories of the end of the transfer window was the return of Cristiano Ronaldo to Manchester United. For a hot minute there, we thought he was going to go to the blue side of Manchester. That would have been uh, quite interesting to see. I think that might be a little bit of animosity towards him from United fans if that happened. Irregardless, it didn't happen. He ended up going back to the red side of Manchester, where he, for the most part, started his career and really kind of um, his road to fame, if you will. He's back at Manchester United at Old Trafford. The question on everyone's minds is, does this signing of Cristiano Ronaldo, at 36 years old, clearly one of the best players of all time, does it make Manchester United title contenders this season? Zach, I'd love to open the floor with that for you.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I think it it very well does, um, not just with Ronaldo, but with um, Rafael Varane also coming over. And you know, we talked about the transfer window. We talked about Jadon Sancho being uh, the the biggest name coming to Manchester United before Ronaldo made the move. Um, yeah, I think that, like, you know, getting getting a talismanic number nine and uh, a person who obviously has so much history for the club, and then also filling in some of the gaps that might have existed at center back with, you know, question marks raised in the past on Victor Lindelof uh, and just kind of the makeshift defenders have been putting around Harry Maguire for the better part of two seasons. Um, I, yeah, I mean, I, I see. I see it being difficult to argue that manchester united is not a legitimate title contender there are still question marks in the midfield i know very few people are still sold on fred being a world-class midfielder um and he actually is getting quite a lot of time in this manchester united side uh but if it's working it's working manchester united currently tied on 13 points with liverpool and chelsea for top of the table Um, and manchester united very directly due to the Ronaldo influence, you could say, have the most goals in the Premier League with 13 in five matches. So, uh, again, it, it's it's tough to it's tough to take a stand and say I don't think Manchester United are genuine title contenders when they've been performing like it uh, throughout the first five matches of the season.
1: Yeah, I think you brought up some great points there. Um, you know, Ronaldo himself three goals in two games in the Premier League since he's been back. I think. They, they needed a touch of class. I'm not quite sure what it, I felt it was that they needed. We, we, we talked about in the past how they defensively have really kind of needed some reinforcements there. I'm glad you brought up the Varane transfer. That was one I was going to bring up too. That's given them a bit more stability at the back, but Ronaldo just gives them something different going forward. Now, Today, they actually played in the Cup, um, played largely their their reserve team. You mentioned uh, needing a number nine. Their number nine actually played today <laughs> and did pretty poorly. Anthony Martial, uh, rumors of him going to be on the outs to Barcelona in January if indeed they can't afford his $50 million plus transfer fee. But I digress. Um, Manchester United lost at home to West Ham today. So they also had a game in the Champions League that they lost to one at Young Boys last week. So it's not like they're invincible in any way, but I just think that Ronaldo gives them that opportunity to compete and to win potentially every game that they play and especially in the league, Um, especially playing against these other English teams, just who are in awe of this player who's coming into the league. He's a top, top quality signing um, and I think one of the other questions I have for you, Zach, is where does this leave the likes of Edson Cavani, who signed a new contract, right? He already had the shirt number taken off of him um, and given to Cristiano Ronaldo when he signed. Uh, where does that leave him? Where does it leave players like Martial and indeed Marcus Rashford?
0: It's a it's an interesting question. It, it's almost like, it's almost in a way like having the you know, the, well, now they're out of the League Cup, but having the Champions League, what FA Cup in a few months, having these different kind of competitions will almost benefit Manchester United, I think, because you have so many mouths to feed in your attacking options. Uh, That being said, I think Cavani leaves in January. I don't see him sticking out this season. I don't, I I don't think it would make any sense. And he seems to be, wanting to get out of there as quickly as possible, especially that he I think he played respectably well in the second half of last season uh coming over to Manchester United um or after coming over to Manchester United. So I I think he'll leave. I think Rashford still certainly a future at the club. A lot of questions were asked about Mason Greenwood, who scored in consecutive matches to start the Premier League season. Um I mean it's one of those things where Greenwood will only benefit playing under Ronaldo, especially at such a young age. But uh, I, I think the intimidation factor that Ronaldo holds, as you mentioned, is a huge part of it. And I, I read this weekend that he was clocked as the fastest sprinter, sprinting speed in the premier league on the weekend at 36 years old. So like, <laughs> Ronaldo has certainly not lost his legs by any means. And um, I think everything about him, that, that kind of uh, you know, that kind of, mythical being that he is adds a lot to Manchester United on and off the pitch.
1: That's what happens when you drink water and not soda. My friend, it's well-documented
0: a hundred percent. I don't drink soda for that exact reason. I want to strive to the CR seven level and that's how you get there.
1: (laughs) Exactly. Uh, Final thought on Manchester United, Uh, their next six games in the league are going to be very telling in terms of whether they truly will be title contenders. Check out this for a run of fixtures Villa at home. Everton at home, Leicester away, Liverpool at home, Spurs away, and Manchester City at home in the Manchester Derby. That's a tough run of fixtures with all teams that you'd expect to probably finish in the top half this season, um, and that's really going to be telling in terms of where Manchester United finish up. Right, they're they're eking out results and doing it well, but can they do it against these these bigger teams?
0: Definitely. That also progressively. That that run of fixtures gets progressively more difficult as well, which I, I think will, you know, if there are injuries, will will hurt them, although you could make an argument that if there aren't injuries and they begin or they continue to gel together more and more, will actually almost benefit uh, Manchester United. But it will be telling come whatever, whenever that ends, December or so, uh, if they are going to be, you know, these legitimate forces at the top of the table, which I think they will be.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I'd say the. Uh, it's interesting you should say that. The easiest team on paper right now, based on league position in that group of six, is Leicester City in twelfth.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, Leicester is off to a very, very disappointing start to the season. They've looked completely out of sorts. Um, okay, well, do you do you want me to talk at a point here? Do you want to flip flop, or do you want to do you want to go with your second big talking point for the first five weeks?
1: Uh, you pick one of yours. Let's see what you got.
0: All right, cool. Um, I will – let's see here. Uh, One one thing I wanted to bring up on the podcast today is another team that has been uh, off to a really, really impressive start to the season and actually lying just one point and one place in the table behind Manchester United, uh, and that is Brighton football club which i think not a lot of people would have particularly expected um brighton to be in a quote-unquote champions league place five weeks into the season um i don't think you predicted it you said they were going to be good but you did not say that brighton adam just pointed at himself and, and nodded That there was no way that you said they would be in fourth come five matches into the season.
1: I'll be I'll be honest, I'm looking at my table predictor. I have been fourteenth this season. So, okay, uh, there
0: yeah, you go. <laughs> so 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 so. Bre- Brighton and H- BHA, Brighton and Hove Albion sitting in uh in fourth right now. Uh it, it seems like everything's kind of going right for them at the moment. They had a nice tidy two one victory over Leicester City um on the weekend. Neil Mope scoring the first, and actually Danny Welbeck scoring the winner in that match, which was pretty exciting to see. Um, I know we've sung the praises of Graham Potter and the Project Brighton for a while, but I, I want to get a little bit deeper than just, you know, clapping and nodding our heads and, and ask you, Adam, like, what what exactly is it going right brighton Brighton uh, matches into the season? I think I tried to
1: I tried to kind of do a little bit of research on this. Like, what what is Potter doing that's different, right? What is he what what, what is different about Brighton this season? And there's a few things that I kind of came came down to. Danny Welbeck being back, and um, you mentioned him. I think when he is healthy, he is probably a top ten, top fifteen striker in the league. Um, in my opinion, I think he's a he's a top class striker on his day. So having him fit and playing well. Think is a huge contributing factor there. Neil Mopé is scoring goals. It's um, three on the season in the Premier League right now, and I think he's continuing to get better and better. What was interesting to me is an area where I thought that they were really weak last season was defensively, and they've conceded four goals in five games this year. And I, I thought to myself, did Brighton bring in defensive recruitments during the summer? No, they did not. They didn't bring in anybody. Um, they have the exact same typically back four and then goalkeeper that they had last year. And I think part of it is just them starting to really know each other and trust each other on the defensive side. One other thing that I thought was really interesting was I started to look at the formations that Potter was playing. Like, is he playing a super defensive formation? Is he playing a lot more attacking? And here are the five formations that he's played so far this season in the Premier League. He's played a 4-1-4-1, a 3-4-2-1, a 4-4-1-1, a 3-4-1-2, and a 3-4-2-1. So only one time has he duplicated a formation. What that's telling me is that Graham Potter is an astute manager who is playing not only to his team's strengths, but he's also basing his tactics on the opponent that he is playing. Oh, my Lord, could you imagine if we had a manager that could do that at Newcastle, right? Just it, It lets me know that this guy knows what he's doing, he has a clear vision and project that he's trying to enable, and it's and it's not going to go right all the time, right? They don't have the level of investment or the level of player that a lot of the other big teams do. But by God, this is a team that's going to be right around the middle of the league most seasons, and you'll probably see year-over-year year improvement from them on a regular basis if they can keep Graham Potter of the club.
0: Yeah, I think those are all really good points. And I mean, doubling down on what you said about a lack of defensive reinforcements, like Brighton lost Ben White in the summer. They, mm-hmm. in a lot of ways, you could claim that Brighton, I, I think you would claim that Brighton was weakened uh, on the defensive side of the ball in the transfer window. And again, you're right. It gives credit to Potts, gives credit to the way in which they are setting up week after week playing to these specific weaknesses and advantages or strengths of their opposition. Um, and I, looking at their fixtures so far, you know, Brighton has not had a particularly difficult run of fixtures their only loss coming to everton uh victories against burnley uh watford and Brentford. for Brent, and then finally that win against leicester um but it, it's one of those things where winning the games that you have to win and uh doing it in a way that you're able to um you know limit the damage uh concession and get the goals that you need it'll be interesting i mean look at and looking at Brighton's schedule going forward and there's not really a a run of fixtures kind of like Manchester United that we just spoke about that looks particularly daunting um you know the the fixtures against the quote unquote big clubs uh city liverpool those are back to back but then they get newcastle like villa they get norwich around those two um and a, a bit of a wait uh fixture against tottenham broken up by wolves and southampton fixture Man United broken up by Brentford, Chelsea, Palace. So what I'm saying here is there is a kind of a nice variety um, and not that marish run of fixtures. And I think that gives reason to think that they might be able to with withhold, you know, or excuse me, uh withstand any challenges and and stay at this like nice level part of the uh of the table.
1: Yeah. No, some some good points there too. It, it, one one last point I want to make on Brighton is I think. Uh, The heart and soul of that club for me is Lewis Dunk at the center of defense. He's the club captain. He, in my eyes, just like Potter, I think is largely underappreciated. I think Lewis Dunk is one of the more underappreciated um, players in the Premier League, just with what he brings to the team. And for me, he epitomizes what Potter is all about. Grit, determination, savvy, um, and just putting yourself on the line for for your team, and and I love that about him. I think he's a top class player. He's always one of the first players I pick up in my fantasy football team. Shout out to my fantasy football team. It's doing terrible this year. Um, Louis Dunk for me, underappreciated player for the week.
0: Yeah, I like that. I, I like that a lot. And regardless of what formation they are playing, they're always you know two if not three center backs so Lewis dunk is is the perfect player to have a uh you know a bigger more physical center back and will always kind of fit the role that you need him to so i i do agree with you he is a very instrumental part of the success the team has
1: yep fantastic all right well let's go on to my second question then zach um let's go from the top half of the league to the bottom half of the league <laughs> How concerned are we about Newcastle's start to the season? And do you think that they will get relegated to the championship again next summer?
0: Yeah. um, Yeah, I I think it it is a, a pretty it's a pretty dire situation, right? You know, anybody watching Newcastle for 90 minutes, or if you can last that long, will be able to immediately tell that there's not, you know, there's no sort of semblance of the organization and the kind of meticulous planning that you would see at a club like Brighton. Um, week after week, Newcastle is putting out uh, the same lineup, the, the same formation, uh, whether it's a 4-5-1, it kind of molds into, as you could say, a, a what, a 5 4 two or five, three, two at times, uh, very defensive, very much just give the ball to Alan St. Maximin and hope that he can keep us in game, which he was able to do against Leeds. St. Maximin scoring an unbelievable goal and almost getting a second in, uh, the last 10 minutes of the match. But I, I think it's just a ticking time bomb at Newcastle right now, right? Like St. Max missed about five weeks of the season between February and March last season. Uh, and, that was when Newcastle really looked like we were going to slip into it. Um, and I'm just like, if anything happens to St. Maximin, if anything happens to, you know, Miggy Maron, who looked good against Leeds, I just don't see there being any sort of plan B. Um, and I think Newcastle has been found out enough. It's They're an easy enough team to play at this point in time that uh, I don't, I don't see there being three teams that are worse than Newcastle right now in the Premier League
1: yeah I, I agree i'm highly concerned right now in answer to my own question about how they're starting the season to your point we, we don't have any depth in attack right you've got callum wilson that's gone out now um injured and he's going to be out for another month or so fantastic player when he's fit but isn't fit often enough and you know we knew that when we signed him that he had that injury concern that always followed him so yeah. now right, right right now you have bruce playing joe linton and Alan St. Maximin up top, both of whom are traditionally wingers. We've got Dwight Gale, who's been frozen out. Did you you hear that he got into an altercation with Graham Jones on the sidelines?
0: did hear that, of course, yeah.
1: Yeah, and basically it went something like this. It's always about you, Dwight. No, it's always about you, Graham. So uh, basically alluding to the fact that Graham Jones had his big moment when he was with England over the the summer. Uh, and, And unfortunately, that just means that we've got another attacking option that, you know, I don't think there's anything better than Gale out there when Wilson's not fit, and, and he's being frozen out of the team right now. So so you've got no depth up top. You've got two wingers starting up front. We're actually scoring six scored six goals in five games, which is surprising to me. Most of them came earlier on in the season, but we're shipping goals like crazy. 13 on the year, um, surpassed only by Norwich, as we mentioned previously, with 14. And, and I'm just massively concerned dude, it's, it's, it's not, it's not good right now. And Bruce has got this real, uh, I feel like he's doing it more and more. He makes himself this um, kind of a scapegoat there um, for, 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 for Newcastle. Um, But then he kind of goes back and he reneges on it for, um, for a bit. And he's, he's had these really strange comments to the press recently about how they always try and twist things. And you can tell that's a manager getting to his kind of like, his final desperate attempts to save his job when he starts throwing shade at the press. And I hope to God that's that day is coming soon.
0: Absolutely. I, I you're right. It's weird to watch Newcastle because you have players being frozen out. You have uh, a player in Joe Willick who just signed this somewhat lucrative new deal with Newcastle, but is, is not really, you know, finding his form so far. Obviously nobody expected him to be scoring in, uh, six consecutive games to start the season by any means, but there, like the 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 lack of cohesion and the lack of a game plan, I think is really really coming to the forefront for everybody to see. And you know we've talked about this for almost two two years at this point. But um, again, when 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 you have players being played out of position, when you have not a lot of quality at pretty much any position besides. Uh, whatever St. Maximin is playing on the day. And uh, I, I suppose Willick is is a, a quality player as well. Um, but there's just not the signs of any, there, there's just no reason to think that they will survive. You know, like that. that's as kind of almost soft as I can put it is it's, it's more difficult to tell me why Newcastle will stay up than it is to argue for why, you know, they, they won't go down. I know that's kind of a double negative, but. I, I think that's where I stand right now.
1: Yeah, I, I totally hear what you're saying. I just I feel like there are managers that could get better out of these players. Like there's quality players there. But again, the, the lack of cohesion, the lack of real game plan is is very evident for for all to see. And I think the players are supposedly starting to like be thinking the same thing about Bruce right now. He's not from what we read in the press, he's not a very popular player. In the dressing room right now, and players are starting to get frustrated with the lack of games that, that they're winning. Now, now, certainly, that's on them to a certain extent, but Bruce is the one setting them up and giving them their game plan. And um, I feel like they're just really they're they're getting points in spite of his tactics at the moment. Um, so Definitely. I really hope I hope that that we can turn that around. One last thought on Newcastle, um, Steve Cooper. Um, of Swansea, who left Swansea in the summer, was seen in the in the stadium recently um, watching a game and taking that in. So potentially next Newcastle manager, I'd love that.
0: I'd love anything. I'd love anything, man. I would have Parju back in a second. I would take any <laughs> manager over Steve Bruce right now.
1: Would you take Fat Sam Allardyce?
0: Oh, yeah. I would take Fat Sam Allardyce. Like, that, that's the thing is – it's, it's about the game plan. It's about just having any sort of organization. And, and Sam Allardyce has that Sam Allardyce is widely a successful manager in the premier league. Uh, and I think that if you, like you said, you know, there are, team, there are managers who could do better with the players that Newcastle has. Sam Allardyce is absolutely a name on that list.
1: hm I, I don't know that I would take that Sam back. Um, just can't stand him as a person. Um, A lot of it is down to him freezing out Gary Speed way back in the day, but we won't get into that. Um, Anyway, I digress. We We are certainly worried about Newcastle right now, and I think relegation at the moment is probable. I think we got Watford and Wolves coming up in our next two games, and if we don't get a win from one of those two games, I think that his job is in serious jeopardy.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Even for Mike Ashley, there's there's only so long you can wait before pulling the plug, and hopefully, hopefully we are close to that point. Um, okay, Adam. Before we jump into our commercial break, uh, I want to touch on another club that is having equal, uh, maybe not equal levels of concern, but is is off to a very slow start to begin the season, uh, just alongside Newcastle, and that is Leeds United, uh, a team that. I think a lot of people were tipping for, you know, another top eight run, another challenge to the the established fold in the Premier League after how exciting they were uh, last season. Uh, and Leeds absolutely not showing that uh, excitement so far. They only have five goals in five matches. They have conceded 12 and they are sitting only a point above Newcastle still winless as well uh Leeds are so it in, in the same way that I asked you before what's going right with Brighton what do you think's going wrong with Leeds and do you think there there's space for genuine concern or is it more kind of a passing cloud of an issue that that will subside pretty soon
1: it's a good question i i would ask you this in in return what constitutes concern for Leeds lead, are you are you kind of hinting at a relegation battle here is that what you're
0: no, I I wouldn't go that far. I I would just say like Leeds was a top half club last season and they have started very not only, you know, with only 3 points in 5 matches, but they've been playing poorly. Uh, they, they no like I guess no wins, you have a draw against Everton, draw against Newcastle, draw against Burnley say Everton, let's say those two sides were probably tipped to be pretty close to each other in the table before the season began. But Newcastle and Burnley are are two teams that you'd be expecting Leeds to comfortably defeat going into the season, um, including their cup matches. They've played seven games. They only scored multiple goals in one of those matches, a three mil uh, victory over Alexander, Alexandria uh, in the league cup. So a, a lower league side. Um, and it just doesn't look like they have that offense kind of juggernaut cohesion that they had last season. So I think I personally think there is room for concern. I don't think it's really ever too early to, to be worried, but, No, I don't think they're going to be in a relevant battle come uh, springtime.
1: Yeah, I think. Okay, got it. So thanks for clarifying. I think I think you're right. There's definitely concern there because I think they're underperforming in relation to where they were last season. But remember, this is a team that took twenty years to get back up into the Premier League after they were down in the championship. And you see this from a lot of clubs, like look at Brentford right now, Brentford, another team we could easily have talked about today, performing really well, um, up in the top half of the table, scoring goals for fun, defending really, really well, um, different, different type of club and how it's run and how they play to its lead, certainly, but you know, um, that they could have that sophomore slump, if you will. Does that mean they're going to go down? I don't think so. Um, I, I think there's enough quality in that team. What, what is evident for me, though, is Bielsa has not figured out the defensive problem. We talked about it ad nauseum last season about how that was something that they absolutely needed to figure out, and they needed defensive reinforcements to come in in the summer. They have a top keeper in Melier. I really, really like their goalkeeper. I think he's a, he's a great, great keeper and great prospect. But I don't think that they figured out the defensive side of their game yet. And 12 goals in five games is is, is testament to that. What they need to do is um, they need to kind of just adjust those defensive tactics. And they need a little bit more quality in there, to be honest. That's, that's the way I feel about it right now. And then looking at kind of um, their attacking side of their game, that was something that was fairly free-flowing last season. I think they scored over over 50, 55 goals in, in the league last season. So they never had a problem scoring goals. And I think where they've probably had a little bit of opportunity and missed out this summer is they needed somebody else to complement Patrick Bamford up top. They bought Rodrigo. They have Tyler Roberts in there. Both of those players are not Premier League quality players. I know Rodrigo has a lot of experience uh, playing in European football, but um, the way he's playing, the system they're playing, the way he's set up, that, he's not a Bielsa player for me. I think I think that was a mistake to bring him in. Um, a friend of mine, Brian, is a big Leeds fan. Who I was talking to about Leeds the other day? Cannot stand Rodrigo. Just thinks he's a waste of a, a, a place on the team sheet. Um, and just doesn't really kind of bring out the best in the players around him. And, and I worry about Bamford. Like they're an injury away from being, you know, Wolves last season. Basically, that's that's the way I feel about Leeds right now.
0: Definitely. I think the Wolves comp is perfect. It's a, a striker that, you know, has gotten them to them to the place that they're at and a lot of a lot of exciting kind of flair foreign players, um, at Leeds. And and you're right, like some sometimes it just against Newcastle, they scored fairly early on what was it, a pretty beautiful piece of play. Um, and you 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 just expected them to kind of continue to boss that match, and they they really didn't. And it's it, the there are questions on like where is that kind of level of uh, of ruthlessness and where is that level of what we saw last year in, in a team that uh, is going to score more goals than you and doesn't how many they concede that we're not seeing that in Leeds right now and uh, yeah I think I, for me that's where the concern would come from is is not the results necessarily but stylistically it's just not looking uh, like it was in what was an immensely successful year last year.
1: Yeah, exactly. They've they've definitely regressed because they had a great attack and a great and a poor defense last season, and now they have an average attack and they still have a poor defense. So they got they got to figure it out. I think they will. I think they may even squeak into the top ten again. Um, I I did ask my friend Brian what what are his realistic expectations for Leeds. He said he's hopeful for somewhere between twelfth and fifteenth, and he thinks realistically anywhere between fifteenth and eighteenth. I thought that was quite interesting, coming directly from a wow. Leeds fan. You know? um,
0: yeah. I guess tempering your expectations is a smart thing to do when you haven't been in the Premier League for 20 years. So that's fair.
1: Yep, absolutely. Really, you want to stay in it and continue to build. And hopefully Leeds will, will do that. I like that. I like that club.
0: Yeah. No, no problem with the the lads who play at Ellen Road. Uh, okay, cool. Adam, first clue for the EPL trivia. It's not John Terry. We know this now. <laughs> um, let's try to get us closer to, to who it might be.
1: All right, so again, just a reminder for listeners, Thiago Silva scored for Chelsea against Spurs this past weekend, aged just under 37 years of age, making him the second-oldest goal scorer in Chelsea's Premier League history. Who is the oldest? Your first clue. This player, at 37 years and 49 days old, is still only the 19th-oldest overall goal scorer in Premier League history. Hmm,
0: okay. (laughs) i like that i like that that doesn't really lead me any closer to the answer but that is interesting (laughs) the
1: the problem i had here is you already know it's a chelsea player you already know it's in the Premier league era so i didn't want to give too much away here on the first
0: clue okay yeah that's fair all right i like that um i will we'll have to think of this one during the commercial break but uh yeah we will be back in just a quick minute uh, we will then dive into what we're looking at for match week six coming up this weekend. All right, we are back from our commercial break, looking at match week six. Some some goodies coming up this weekend, Adam's goodies. And we're starting, starting early Saturday morning for the first goodie. Repeated the Champions League final. It's Chelsea. It's Manchester City. It's going to be a cracker.
1: It is. First place, fifth, and as you mentioned, a rematch of last season's Champions League final. Revenge will be on the mind of the citizens going to Stamford Bridge. Chelsea, of course, playing lights out right now so far this season. Just super, super impressive. Um, Undefeated in the league. Manchester City cannot boast the same thing. Dropping points against Southampton this past week and obviously having lost a game previously too. So I think this one will be a really intriguing one. What, what what do you think? Would if you had to predict a score line here? What does your gut tell you for Chelsea, Man City this
0: weekend? I'm feeling ones on this one, Adam. I, I'm feeling a a a scrappy and kind of a careful match. I think for for Thomas Tuchel, you, you have that three point cushion over City, and although it's early, I, th- I think that three point cushion means a lot to him. Uh, and if you can keep that space where it is, I would look at it as a, a not a victory, obviously, but a, A pretty successful match for Chelsea, Um, and equally, I I think with with Romelu Lukaku in Chelsea, obviously is boasting a a pretty uh, pretty frightening offensive front. And I think Pep Guardiola will will kind of almost like take the same approach of of really you know playing for that draw, but uh, in a way of okay, if we can get you know if we can get a point against Chelsea, we can then continue to build and and hopefully uh, you know be be on a winning run of fixtures so I don't know yeah I don't, I don't see a lot of goals in this one
1: no I, I agree I mean Chelsea historically have been pretty tight defensively as well and Manchester City are starting to trend that way too I am though going to go for a 2-1 Chelsea victory in this one I do think Chelsea just edges it I feel like they they have Manchester City's number right now especially Tuchel does um, and I think that they just squeak out of win especially having home field advantage in this one
0: yeah, I could very well see it happening. The two best defenses in the Premier League, alongside Liverpool, uh, but it, three goals would be three goals would be pretty exciting. I think if you're if you're trying to if you're trying to bet the over on two and a half goals, you'd probably get pretty good odds on it.
1: Yeah, that's a good that's a good point. All right, um, my second game for the weekend that I'm excited about is Brentford versus Liverpool. For me, this is Brentford's chance to prove. Are they the real deal? They've beaten Arsenal and Wolves so far this season to, you know, middle of the table teams based on recent performances. Uh, and I'm curious if they can add Liverpool to that list
0: as well. What are your yeah, thoughts? That would be it would be remarkable. Liverpool is is playing some phenomenal football at the moment and kind of seem to be back to their their best with their only points dropped against chelsea um and chelsea's only points dropped against liverpool as well uh yeah i I mean it would be again wildly impressive if brentford could even get a point from this match uh the match is in liverpool if i'm not mistaken uh no it's in brentford so yeah that'll be that'll be that that'll be a cracker uh, at the brentford community stadium i like that name for a stadium uh but yeah, I mean, we'll we'll see. Ivan Tony goal and assist in their last game on the weekend uh, was playing phenomenal football, and it would be yeah, it'd be awesome to see him go up against VVD on the weekend.
1: I know that's going to be a huge challenge for him. If you had to put money on it right now, who scores who scores um, more goals in this game, Ivan Tony or any one of Liverpool's front three? <laughs>
0: If I had to put money on it, I'd say Mosalah. Mo is ah, probably probably the best scorer in the Premier League at this exact moment in time. So I, I don't know why you would ever bet against Mosalah.
1: He's an average to poor player,
0: Mosalah. That's 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 I don't appreciate that level of sarcasm. Uh Mosalah is <laughs> but actually I, I heard a fact on the weekend that um Mosala is the let me see if I have this right, if my memory serves me correctly. Mosala, I believe, is the second African-born player after DDA Drogba to score 100 Premier League goals. And he did it in what I think was 60 less matches.
1: Wow. That's a great stat. Like easy top class, obviously. I'm being facetious before. Yeah. Uh, great, great player, but that that's an incredible stat.
0: Yeah, insane. In like 60 less games than DDA Drogba, and he hit. Hit the mark. I mean, Mo Salah has not scored under twenty goals in any season he's played in the Premier League. It's remarkable. Yeah, wow, that's pretty pretty incredible to keep up that consistent form.
1: Do you think he's got one big move left in his career, or do you think he he rounds it out of Liverpool?
0: Well, there were there were all those rumors last season, right? That he was trying to. I I don't know how real those were. But- was trying to get out. He was trying to go to, I think it was Real Madrid was the team that was heavily linked with him. I could see it happening. I mean, he's 29 years of age. He won't turn 30 until uh after this season ends. And I mean, he, he similar to like a, a Cristiano Ronaldo, uh, does not seem to be losing step, obviously quite a bit younger than Ronaldo. Uh, but you watch him playing for this Liverpool team and it's just like it's it's clockwork for him right now. So I, I could see it happening, especially if would you say it's more likely if Liverpool wins the title or does not win the title that he would leave in the summer?
1: I don't think it matters at this point. I, I wonder what he's motivated by, right? Because he's pretty much done it all with them. He's won the Champions League. He's won the Premier League. He's won domestic cups. Like, What is what is there left to do?
0: He had the best Premier League season a striker ever had. Like, He has done yeah. pretty much everything you could possibly do in England. You're right.
1: You stay and become a cult hero in Liverpool if you're not considered one already with that record, or or do you go and you try and find a new challenge? I hate to see him leave the Premier League because he's top class and great to watch, but you know could, couldn't certainly blame him if he wanted to go off and take take on a new challenge in another league. I mean, the for for me, the quality of La Liga is actually going down now and has has continued to downturn in in the past few years. I think he'd be better off, you know, go. He's already played in in Italy could you see him potentially at a PSG or maybe even going to the German League which continues to to improve
0: that'd be an interesting one Uh, if for PSG if Mbappe leaves next summer which I think a lot of people are expecting him to do uh like does yeah does Salah come in as the the replacement winger Uh, and then you have a a front three of Salah Messi and and Neymar um which yeah i mean that would be interesting i think it would become a question of like what type of challenge is he looking for right because the the french league is even though psg didn't win the title it's it's not a competitive league in a sense mm-hmm. like it's it's not as if it's like the Premier League where anybody can win on any given day uh germany the same way Bayern munich owns that league as as wonderful as there are other teams like n- nobody touches Bayern munich but um yeah, I don't know. It would be interesting to see where he would move. Uh, I would think Spain, but I think you're making a good point. Like Barcelona is a team completely in flux right now, and and Real Madrid is is kind of rebuilding as well.
1: Yep, exactly. All right, so um, a little bit of a tangent there, but um, a, a, cool to talk about Musa. We haven't chatted about him for for some time. What are what are your two games that you're looking forward to this weekend, Zach?
0: Yeah, so first one falls in between of the, the two Saturday matches that you mentioned. Uh, Leeds and West Ham, which uh, for, for Mountain Time listeners, uh, which Adam and I are Saturday morning at 8 a.m., I think this is an interesting one. West Ham has really impressed me so far this season. They lost that heartbreaker against Manchester United uh, on the weekend um, in, in really, really tough fashion, giving up a goal to uh, West Ham legend Jesse Lingard before... Uh, before Mark Noble coming on and and missing the decisive penalty. Uh, But then getting that win over Manchester United, I think West Ham is going from strength to strength. I think that Kurt Zuma was a fantastic signing for them at the end of the transfer window. As we just talked about, Leeds needs to kind of start picking it up, and this is not going to be an easy match in which that could happen. But this is a game I could definitely see goals in, Adam, uh, is Leeds against West Ham
1: yeah should be a fun one to watch and uh shout out to Mick antonio as well who continues to do it for west ham just a, a great 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 striker um and who's now got i think over 50 goals for west ham so top top notch for him um and then what's your last one for the weekend
0: it has to be the north london derby right sunday morning it's going to be uh it's going to be a fun one to watch it, i mean it's one of those matches where regardless of where the teams are in the table, uh, watching a Derby of sorts is is always, um, you know, it's always an entertaining, uh, fixture to have on hand. So yeah, I'm excited to watch that one. Tottenham Arsenal, two, two mid table sides at the moment. Um, two teams kind of trending in opposite directions as well. Tottenham having lost their last two Arsenal, uh, having done the opposite one, winning their last two matches. So, uh, yeah, I think that should be, should be a good one.
1: Yeah, it should be. Uh, actually, a friend of mine, Abakar, who's a an Arsenal fan, sent me a, a meme the other day, and um, these are these are facts. There was a point during the season where Spurs had won every game and Arsenal had lost every game, where Spurs had not conceded a goal and Arsenal had not scored a goal, and Spurs were top of the league and Arsenal were bottom. So um, crazy to think about that. That was a statistic that, or those were statistics that were true at some point this season. And to your point, it's kind of reverted a little bit, right? They've had a couple injury problems at Spurs. We've seen them have a little bit of a dip in form. Chelsea beat them comfortably this past weekend. Um, and then Arsenal have ground out a couple of good one, nil victories. So the momentum right now is certainly with Arteta and Arsenal. Uh, the game is at the Emirates fans are going to be there. Uh, it's the first uh, North London derby we've had since fans have been back in the stadium should be a great one to watch on Sunday.
0: Yeah, I'm excited on this one. My my uh, my father Steve, the Spurs fan, is he's already he's already in the new no out camp. So uh, it will be <laughs> <laughs> it, will, it will it will be interesting to see to see what they do because yeah, Spurs has just not looked impressive by any means in in their last few matches.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I think early early doors, yeah, Steve. Come on, you got to you got to give him a little bit of rope here. He's still figuring it out, but yeah, doesn't doesn't help that Harry Kane's had one foot out the door all summer and didn't didn't exactly. get his
0: move. Yeah, not yeah. Nuno's fault. Not Nuno's fault. Yeah, Nuno in for now.
1: Yeah, I I would say let's give let's give him a little bit more rope before we make that judgment. But I mean, he's a Spurs fan. He's got every right to to make that judgment on his team. We we certainly do that with Steve Bruce. So
0: absolutely absolutely uh okay all right um glad to kind of recap or not recap but preview the weekend fixtures uh let's wrap it up here adam let's dive into armchair pundits paul had some audacious opinions uh as it pertains to world football uh i'll have you start on this one what what are you going to hit me with today
1: all right very simply wolves will be in a relegation battle this season
0: okay yeah yep
1: Um, Yep, I will. So they've had a tough start to the year fixture-wise. They've played Leicester, Spurs, and Man United. Um, But one of the things I'm most concerned about is the lack of goals they seem to have in the team. Uh, Raul Jimenez is back, but seems a shadow of the player he was before his injury. I don't know if he's still playing himself into form, if he's still not fully fit, but that fractured skull injury was obviously super serious last season, and they really need his goals. Um, they, they don't have um, their goalkeeper, Rui Patricio anymore. Um, although they've been pretty solid defensively, they haven't really been scoring a lot of goals. They, they've really, they've really not looked like the same team as they were under Nuno. I think they have just a second rate Nuno Espirito Santo in their manager right now. Um, and I think that they'll probably stay up, but I think it'll be a lot tighter than they would like it to be towards the end of the season. Um, Rumors that Adama Traore may be leaving in January, and I think he's their best player right now. So uh, they really need to make sure they hang on to him if they want a chance of staying in the Premier League this year. Definitely,
0: definitely. I mean, yeah, Wolves' last match, a Tuna loss against Brentford uh, with Brentford having gotten a red card uh, in the 64th minute and Wolves unable to get anything from that match. Like That is a damning, damning thing to see on the results list. So I agree. I think that is a, a really like a, a big thing to keep your eye on this season is if they can get those goals. And uh, yeah, I mean, hopefully they're not this kind of like one trick pony uh, in terms of, you know, a team that was at three seasons ago was essentially what Leeds was last year. Right. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know what the solution is either uh, at, at wolves. You've, yeah, you've sold, um, Giovanni who is now looking like he was probably the best player on that team at the moment and uh, haven't really done too much to to kind of like backfill effectively. Uh, so I, I think there is room for concern without a doubt.
1: Yep, I agree. All right, what, what do you got for me, sir?
0: Yeah, so uh, going to the other side of the table in the Premier League, um, I think that I can't believe I'm saying this, Adam, but I think that Everton could actually be somewhat for real this season. like i i don't think they're going to be a top four side i don't think they're going to be a top five side but i think that rafa because you know makes them a not a better club than they were under carlo and body but stabilizes that club uh he brought in solomon rondon who is a favorite to both you and i and looking at everton's you know, results so far, they haven't had the hardest schedule. They did lose 3-0 to, to Villa on uh, the last weekend. But victories against Burnley, victories against Brighton, uh, who, as we said before, have been playing quite well. Everton has scored multiple goals in all of their matches except for that loss against Villa. So the goals are there. The defense is, you know, is playing well enough, it seems. And I don't know. I, I think that there, this could be the year that kind of everything fits together. Um for Everton to really be competing for potentially a cup or a, you know, a, one of those fringe spots in Europe that might be given to them through, you know, I don't know if Liverpool wins the FA cup and, uh, and then obviously will give on the, the Europa league spot. So something like that.
1: Interesting. Yeah. I, you mentioned the loss to Villa and that was marked by the fact that Dominic Calvert-Lewin wasn't playing in that game um, was injured for that game. So I think that a lot of their success this season will hinge especially on his shoulders on Calvert-Lewin staying fit and scoring goals as it, as I think it did to be fair last season. Um, I don't know that I agree with you. Um, I think he's got a large mountain to climb there and I don't think he really invested a ton in the summer. I'm surprised at how little he did bringing in ex-toon players and um, Andres Townsend and in Solomon Rondon, as you mentioned, I'm going to have to disagree with you on that one. I think Everton are going to be a mid-table team this season.
0: Okay. Right. That's fair. Yeah. I mean, you're right. It, it is relying on a couple of players, essentially like in their ceiling, right? Like Townsend scored that World D a couple of weeks ago. And that's like the best possible thing that you can expect out of him, Rondon, who knows what type of return, you'll, you'll get there. But, um, yeah, I, I, don't know, I, I see them making improvements, right? Like it was only a couple of years ago that they spent, what was it? 35 million on the woby Um, and that was, you know, a terrible hmm. decision. So I think that like cooler heads are possibly in place. Rafa is always, you know, somebody who is, is going to be smart with whatever hand he has in the, the allocation of funds. Um, but yeah, I, I I could I could very well see you being right, and they end up in eleventh or eighth to eleventh. But um, I see this being maybe the opportunity for Everton to to kind of like try to push the envelope a little bit. Yep,
1: no, that's fair. And you know, it's not 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 a bad situation when you're going from Carlo Ancelotti to Rafael Benitez, right? To two world class managers. So they've they've certainly had some great coaches and have a great coach right now. Um, I think it just depends on the backing he
0: gets in January. Yeah, that is fair. That is fair. Cool.
1: Yeah. All right. Um, 10 and 90, sir. Do you do you want to go first or second this week?
0: Uh, I don't have any particular preference. Uh, I'll go first unless you have a desire to do so. Go for it. What do you got? All right. So um, last Friday evening, I, I'm sitting with, uh, I'm, I'm sitting on the couch with my my lovely girlfriend, Devin, and we realized that the, the latest episode of critically acclaimed television show, Ted Lasso, has just been dropped. Uh, fast forward about Five days now, Ted Lasso has won every award under the sun at the Emmys, rightly so. It's a fantastic program if any of you listeners have not watched it. Um, But in the last episode of Ted Lasso, I'm not going to give away too much. Uh, What I will say is there is a a frequent kind of recurring cameo appearance, if you will, uh, by one of the most famous and successful players in truly just English football history. And that is Mr. Gary Lineker. Uh, so, Adam, we will be doing a Gary Lineker themed trivia section today.
1: I think actually, wasn't he guest starring on that alongside Thierry Henry? I thought that's the way you were going to go with that then.
0: Uh, he was guest starring alongside Thierry Henry, but Thierry Henry is not, not the subject of uh, the 10 and 90 this week. I
1: am, I am caught up on Ted Lasso, by the way, so we should catch up on nice. that offline here.
0: Nice. Nice. Uh, Okay, Adam. Well, let's, let's dive into some questions about the career of Mr. Gary Lineker. Yeah. Okay. Question number one, Adam, Gary Lineker is the only player to have been the top scorer in England with three different clubs. Which clubs were those?
1: Well, Leicester is the first one. Let's see, uh, Gary Lineker to me is always synonymous with Leicester City, and I I don't actually know. Is there anyone else he's played with? Can I throw out Spurs there maybe? You play for Spurs? Spurs. Correct. And I don't know on the last club. You might have to give me a clue on that one.
0: Um, The clue, uh, I suppose, is that I mentioned this club one minute ago.
1: Is it AFC Richmond? No, just kidding. <laughs> um, uh, you were talking
0: about in the top half of the table, Everton. Did he play for them? He did. So he went from Leicester City to Everton, actually. He only played one season for Leverton, Everton, and he led the Premier League, or the what at that time was the first division in scoring.
1: Top player, man, top player. It's cool seeing him on match of the day with with um, Ian Wright and Alan Shearer, just three, three amazing strikers in their day.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, okay, question number two, Adam, about Sir Gary Lineker, uh, Gary Lineker OBE. Um, in Gary Lineker's career, which spanned 567 matches, how many yellow cards did he receive? And I will give you a plus-minus of 20. Oh. Uh, five hundred and sixty-seven matches. Let's go for an even hundred. Adam, Gary yeah. Lineker in five hundred and sixty-seven matches never received a yellow card. Oh, <laughs> Wow, that's great. Did he ever receive a red card, or is it just a yellow he, card? He, he he never received a book received a booking of any kind in his entire wow. sixteen-season career. That's a great stat. Wow, I had no idea. Yeah. Wild. Wild. What a great guy. Um, Yeah. All right. Uh, Adam, at the end of his career playing for England, how many goals short was Gary Lineker of Sir Bobby Charlton's England goal record? I'll give you plus or minus three.
1: Am I guessing the total number of goals he scored for England, or am I guessing how many short he was of the record here?
0: How many short he was of Bobby Charlton's uh, 48
1: He's pretty close. He's a pretty prolific England goal scorer. I'll say eight short of it.
0: Just outside the range, he was only one goal short of Bobby Charlton's record when he retired. And he was actually pulled from a match uh, with about 25 minutes to go um, and stormed down the tunnel in his final match because he was so angry that he was not Given that opportunity, uh, interestingly enough, early in that same earlier in that same tournament, he missed the penalty, so oh, he wins, wow. top of the record.
1: Yeah, he was still top top class striker for England. I remember
0: him back in the day. Yeah, I'm um, the second best striker that England has ever had, according to <laughs> according to the statistics. Um, okay, question number four, Adam. In 2002, Gary Lineker uh, joined a consortium to help keep Leicester City out of arbitration and bankruptcy. How much of his own money did Lineker invest in 2002?
1: Five million British pounds.
0: Five million British pounds is correct. Lineker taking money out of his pocket, uh, saying that it was not uh, any sort of ego trip for himself. It was truly a a charitable donation to the club that gave him a start and has been, you know, his favorite club since the day he was born in Leicester.
1: That was a complete wild guess, by the way, so I'm I'm proud of myself there.
0: There you go. Uh, proud of you as well. Uh, all right, uh, Adam, in 2002, Licker had a cameo in what classic football film?
1: 2002? That seems like the era of Green Street Hooligans. I'm going to go with that.
0: I like that guess. I believe Hooligans was a few years later, and the reason I say that is because, if I'm not mistaken, uh, The Two Towers, the second Lord of the Rings movie, was being filmed in 2002, uh, which Elijah Wood, star of both Green Street Hooligans and uh, The Two Towers, he would have been in New Zealand. Um, The movie is Bend It Like Beckham.
1: Oh yeah. Okay.
0: Yep. Remember
1: that remember that one. Watched it once and once was enough.
0: Classic film. Classic <laughs> footballing film. Well that, that that is your information on Gary Lineker. All
1: right, thank you. I feel all the more knowledgeable now. And I do I do a lot of a lot of respect for him too, just the fact that he um he quit his job at match of the day so that he could actually go and travel with his kids around um around Europe watching Lester play. I think that's pretty cool
0: yeah it's pretty awesome he's yeah he seems like a a top fella
1: i saw a meme the other day have you ever seen the um ever seen the picture of the african-american guy who like taps his head like he's smart yes like he's that that the classic meme that they've got there somebody captioned that and said (laughs) can't drop out of the champions league places if you're never in them in the first place
0: (laughs) i mean that's true that's a that's a great call
1: Yep. So in twelfth position in the league right now. So poor old Gary Lineker. As soon as he, <laughs> as he quits his job and starts watching Leicester full time, they go, they go down the shitter. So not, not good. Not good. He needs to strap his boots back on. Perhaps, perhaps we'll get him in there and get one more goal for England so he can tie that record. Exactly. All right. Um, my theme for this. Pod is actually related to my EPL trivia question. It's on Tiago Silva, because I realized I don't know a lot about him and wanted to get smarter on him. Very good. All right, question number one. Tiago Silva grew up in the favelas, which is the poor part of Rio de Janeiro, alongside which former Chelsea and Arsenal Brazilian who now applies his trade for Flamingo, Flamengo in Brazil, and is and is Tiago Silva's best friend.
0: That would be William. Incorrect. That would be David Luiz. <laughs> he had a 50-50 chance. I did have anyway, a 50-50 shot.
1: It was yeah. David Luiz. Yeah, there's uh, apparently they're like super good friends, like often pictured together. Um, they're both into their cars. Um, so I thought it was really interesting. Uh okay. who was the first club that Thiago Silva signed for outside of Brazil when he left Brazil at the age of 19?
0: Mmm. At 19. Um Wasn't
1: Madrid, was it? It wasn't. Um, it was FC Porto, and it was just after Jose Mourinho had left for Chelsea. Oh,
0: okay. That's yep. Interesting. Yep. Portuguese for Portuguese.
1: Yep, exactly. I thought you might, might get the Portuguese connection there, but yeah, FC Porto was his club. All right. Uh, question number three: After a serious battle against tuberculosis in two thousand five, which family member talked Tiago Silva out of full on retirement? which he'd almost certainly made his mind up on until speaking with this person.
0: What family member? Exactly. Do I need to know the name or just the relation to him? The relation. I think it was his wife. It was his beautiful wife, Isabel
1: Silva. Yes. They've been childhood sweethearts and she talked him out of retirement. Imagine if he'd left football in 2005 and we weren't graced with his presence for the last 16 years he's been a top class player all right yeah. uh, question number four what nickname was given to Thiago silva from his playing days in brazil that he has retained to this day <laughs> um
0: the bulldog
1: <laughs> close it's the monster or o monstro oh, um, i love it's, that it's a great yeah. nickname monster uh, is what he's known as because he's uh, such a compelling figure on the ball. Uh, all right, fantastic. question number five. Yeah, I, I thought that was a fun one. Uh, question number five, very simple one. I'll give you $5 million US dollars either way. What is Tiago Silva's net, Silva's net worth?
0: <laughs> you like the net worth question. So this has come up Ask a me. number of times. It is interesting. Um, uh, $5 it's let's play that two of the wealthiest clubs in the world um, and now Chelsea so three of the wealthiest clubs in the world Um, say that Thiago Silva has about 37 million bucks in his pocket
1: he's got more he's got 50 million Zach
0: ooh good stuff good for him Nice.
1: for sure from the favelas to 50 million US dollars Not, not too bad not too shabby
0: Beautifully said.
1: All right. So, uh, last question for you, as always, a Welsh word of the day. Please pronounce this uh, Welsh word for me. It's C Y F L Y M. Zero vowels. C Y F L Y M. One more time. Keefum. It's covlim
0: and it means fast. Fast. I was gonna guess uh, it meant chartreuse because you did colors each of the last eight episodes.
1: <laughs> I'm moving on from colors. Uh, I've, I'm finding I'm finding some new words now. So keep you on your toes. All right. All right All to right. wrap up the pod, then, uh, well, let's kind of go from Tiago Silva to Tiago Silva. Uh, EPL trivia. <laughs> last clue and the answer. Um, Tiago Silva scored for Chelsea against Spurs this past weekend, making him the second oldest goal scorer in Chelsea's Premier League history. Who is the oldest first clue midway through the pod was that this player at 37 years and 49 days is only the 19th oldest overall goal scorer in EPL history. Um, side note, the oldest player, just so you know, the only player ever in his forties to score in the premier league was Teddy Sheringham for West Ham. Okay. Um, your second clue for our EPL trivia question was this player scored in Chelsea's three, one win at Leicester. And here's the key for you in April 2015.
0: April 2015.
1: End of the 1415 season was when this player broke the record for oldest Premier League goal scorer for Chelsea. Does that give you any more of a clue?
0: Yeah. Lampard wasn't that old, was he? He
1: wasn't. That was how I was hoping I might trick you with. It's not Lampard. Yeah, no, like I, I, I,
0: I don't. Yeah, I don't think. Uh, yeah, I don't think he played to that extent. Because
1: um, he went, he went and, off to, um, to Manchester City and
0: to, city um, and when yeah, yeah um, thirty six and change or thirty seven and change. I'll Chelsea give you one,
1: one more clue. Okay. All right. all right. One more. One more clue. You've mentioned this player already in our podcast. Today. No,
0: no way. <laughs> yeah. That's that's wild.
1: Completely randomly, and I was like, hmm, "That's funny." He said his name. Like,
0: yeah. Oh, look at that. Um, oh man, that's pretty crazy. Um, is it? Oh, this is gonna this is gonna hurt me. Um, oh, oh, was it was it was it was it, was it, 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 it William? No, no. Who <laughs> was it? It was Didier Drogba. Oh, see, I also didn't think that he got to that point. Damn,
1: I didn't either. That's why I thought it was a great question. I didn't think yeah, that he was thirty-seven great. years old when he scored for Chelsea. Like I. I remember him in his prime coming over from Marseille and being like just top-class player. But I didn't think he was that old when he left the club.
0: I agree. Yeah. Wow. That mm-hmm. that is wild. Damn. There you Damn. go. Wow. Stumped talked you about Make a lot. Talk- talked about a lot of. We we talked about a lot of players who played into their thirties with Chelsea today.
1: We did. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> which was um, always nice. But a good a good a good fun one. I'll try and uh, equally as fun one next time we record.
0: Yes, that was quite quite lovely. Um, all right, guys, nice. that, was, that was a good sesh. That was a good round of, of questions today.
1: Yeah, I agree. Um, it was good, good fun. I'm going to be here two weeks from now to record one episode, but I will be headed back to the UK. Um, I am going to brave the international long-haul flight and all the COVID restrictions and testings and things like that to try and get back to see my parents. So who knows, you may get some little guest segments from me while I'm back home here a month from now.
0: That sounds good. Yeah, I'm excited for it, and um, excited for you to to get home to the UK. That should be quite nice.
1: Me too. Yeah, it's actually going to be over International um, Week while I am back there, so that that should be quite fun. I'm going to be in Wales. Um, well, Wales aren't playing a home game that weekend, but Wales are playing against Estonia in a World Cup qualifier um, on that first Monday that I'm back. So I'm pretty excited about that. Hell oh, yeah! That'll be yep. that'll be quite awesome. Stuff no Gareth Bale, probably no Aaron Ramsey because he's always injured. So let's just hope that Tyler Roberts can can bring up a little bit of magic. Probably not though, because he's probably the worst number nine to ever wear
0: a whale shirt. Joe Rodon, he's one of our own. That's all I have to I love Rodon. He's awesome. Yeah. Uh, cool. All right. Well, until next time.
1: Footy.